Welcome in. Hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. We are glad to have you. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. It's never too early to start thinking about gift-giving ideas for the holidays. Go to wishd.com. That is wishd.com. Whether you're going to buy some motor clothes, some shirts and such for your uh, your favorite person, whether it's uh, gift cards, maybe a bike, who knows? Maybe you want to go in and either trade one in or uh, pick up a brand new one yourself. Never and never a bad time to go out and check it out at Wisconsin Harley Davidson Highway 67 in Oconomowoc, just south of 94. Go to wishd.com. That is wishd.com. And uh, also, we've got our uh, our guy Pete Doherty on the line, and he's got uh, the Further Review podcast. Him and Eric Branchek do both guys on the program, and always good, always good podcast. Pete, how you doing, pal? Pretty good. I'm pretty good, Bill. How you doing? We're, uh, we're we're doing well. Um, I, I, I did the Packers find a formula to win consistently, or was was what we witnessed on Sunday uh, a resuscitation for mo- for just a moment? Well, I mean, I think that's. I mean, but we're all agreed that's the way they they have to at least try to play to have the best chance at winning, right? I mean, their, their strength. Aaron Jones is their best guy in offense, you know, besides the quarterback and getting the ball in his hands, running the ball a lot. Uh, I think I saw ESPN had a stat uh, that the 62% run rate was the highest since Rodgers has been their quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the way they've got to at least try to play. Now, I think Dallas was a good matchup for them. I think Dallas's run defense isn't, you know, I was talking to some um, some people who uh, work around the league, and Dallas's run defense was is kind of shaky. So that was a good matchup for the Packers. Uh, but yeah, isn't that how they they need to play? Is you know pick and choose their moments in the passing game, but just keep running it and running it. I, I we've all been calling for that. Why did it take so long? Do you think for because we saw the success level, the percentage success level out of play action. We saw Rodgers under center more. We saw them run and commit to the run more, even when they were down and the temptation was to start throwing the football was there, and they didn't. They stuck with the run. Why now, after we've been screaming for it for probably almost half of this season? Uh, I know. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's probably a couple things. I don't. I'm just I'm kind of just guessing here, but it's probably hard for you know Rodgers, who has made his bones being one of the great throwers of all time, and Lafleur who's been living off that, you know, for the last three years. And it's probably hard to make the change. We'll probably never know how much, how often Rodgers is changing uh, uh, runs to passes and whether that's the right decision. And maybe they finally just said, even against a loaded box on most of these, just run it anyway, because that's what they did, you know, and it worked. And they ran it okay. Um, But I don't know. That's just guessing at why it took so long, because, uh, it sure seemed obvious that this was the kind of way they were going to have to play with this young new receiving core and the strength of their personnel being in the backfield. So uh, let's start off with Christian Watson. Uh, he has a couple of drops. They go back to him again. Um, we, we believe this was, or at least hope this was his coming out party. Talk about Christian Watson's performance and the fact that they went back to him after a drop again. Yeah, it was you know what? It's probably a, a good thing for for him and his growth, you know, from here on out that they didn't have any alternatives, you know, really. So they had to go back to him. Um, and, you know, he is a big, talented guy. I, I, you know, we really couldn't even see it in camp. He only practiced the final week of camp. And, he, um, you know, he's coming off that knee surgery. And even then, 
you know, he was limited in how many snaps he took in those practices. So, you know, we really, you know, that's the only time in the, in the media you get to see guys in practices in camp. You know, they, the team stuff, once the season starts, the practices close. So you can see when he did play, he's a really big, really fast guy. Um, but he looked like a, a real receiver the other night. I was just thinking, you know, I was thinking about comparing him with Valdez Scanlon because physically they're similar, you know, tall, fast. Um, and even though, you know, this guy came from an FCS school, um, he's a lot more advanced than uh, Valdez Gantling was as a as a rookie. But there's a lot of talent there, obviously, right? You, um, we all believe so. I mean, obviously the speed speaks for itself. So <laughs> I completely agree with you there. It's just he came in with – I've always said the last thing a, a receiver that has an issue with drops – does is become good at catching the football everything else you're trying to learn you're trying to learn your route you're trying to learn your route tree you're trying to learn inside outside your body movement where to be get on the same page all that kind of crap the last thing in the world you're worrying about is actually catching the football because you want to be in the right place at the right time to even get a pass thrown to you and then that begins to come so i'm hoping his hands catch up with the rest of his ability i mean i I, you would assume then that he could be a decent and or good or above average wide receiver so how long do you think it's going to be before Cobb and Dobbs are able to come back because let's just say they get a win on on Thursday night and they keep hope alive and then they've got another week to go and then obviously they get back into the meat of their season until they get the bye uh, on December 10th or December 11th I should say so how how long before they're back to their full complement in your eyes yeah you know I really don't know because this injury stuff is just there's so much speculation the information is so unreliable it sounds like Cobb is on the cusp maybe um, and I'm, I'm less sure or I uh, have less of a feel for, for Dobbs. Um, but getting those guys back would help, especially Dobbs. There's a, a lot of talent there, too. And, you know, guys improve during the season. It hurts that he's missing practice and uh, and playing time. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, Watson with his hands. You know, it's I, was, I used to wonder how much guys could improve at that. But they can improve. I've, I've come to conclude they can improve a lot. It's kind of like shooting in basketball. You know, you see guys who in the NBA who, you know, as their career goes on, they get they become pretty reliable shooters. When they entered the league, they weren't. You can just rep that and rep that, and with those jugs machines and all that, these guys can catch, you know, hundreds of balls a day if they want to. Um, so I guess, you know, in part we'll see how his hands, how much better his hands get is how dedicated he is to his craft over the next couple of years. Defensively speaking, uh, we saw them mix it up. You know, we were talking about, you know, hey, stop staying in those soft zones, keeping things in front of you, allowing drives to extend, you know, playing 10 yards deep on third and six, and all of a sudden now here comes Adrian Amos sneaking up into the box. He gets himself a sack. They're going man, more man coverage. They're doing, they're moving guys around. They're putting guys in better position. You got, uh, you know, while well, Stokes is out, but obviously Savage goes to the slot. It seemed like, I don't understand what took so long to see some of the things that you and I and a lot of other people out out there we're kind of complaining about saying why are you not doing this when we can see it why can't you you know what i mean yeah i know exactly what you mean and i i just wonder if you know barry got a little locked too much too locked into who's gonna do what for him um you know and how he was gonna use guys because they kept talking about you know hey savage can play the slot so and so you know other guys can play the slot but it was all talk they never did it i mean ever i mean i, I don't even know if savage took a a slot snap all year until uh, until he planned there last week. I just, you know, I think maybe they just weren't flexible enough. And then when you know things had to go pretty bad before they decided to 
to start mixing things up. Yeah, they ran more. They're running corner blitzes. Um, they're doing a lot more, and they're going to need to do that stuff because, you know, the one thing that I think is still going to be a really big hurdle for them to overcome in the last half or the last, what was it, eight games or whatever is left, is a, uh, or seven, whatever it is, um, is losing Rashawn Gary. And they, they did okay without him the other day, but it's game after game not having that special mm-hmm. rusher, the ability for teams to double Kenny Clark on almost every passing snap if they want to. Right. That's going to be a tough hurdle to overcome in my mind. Yeah, I was going to say we uh, took a couple of calls uh, during the postgame show about Kenny Clark or the lack thereof, and I said, wait a minute, Kenny still was disruptive, but now he's the guy that the, the defense concentrates on on the line because that's it. You don't have to really double-team anybody else at this point. Nobody's proven that they have to. So until you do, Kenny's going to get the brunt of all of that. You would see, assume you're going to watch his numbers go down, which also then can disrupt your, your, your run defense, So which puts the onus back again on the middle linebacking core. And we have not seen Quay Walker be really good against the run. Do you think he gets better, or are you like, oh boy, this is a really rough learning year for him at this point? It's kind of it feels a lot more like the latter. I mean, you know, you you can see the talent that they liked about him. Those plays that he made in the flat, what did he make about three of those or so? I mm-hmm. mean, he really he just exploded out there, and, and there was a, didn't he break up a pass? Um, yeah, and he's, he's got good wheels. He's yeah, got really I mean, good closing speed. It's just the ability to shed a block and actually plug a hole, man, and, and bring a bring a ball carrier down. It's been his nemesis. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, he probably just ran around blocks in college all the time, and, um, you know, I'm sure they're, they're trying to emphasize in practice to take these things on, but it just probably isn't coming naturally to him. And, um, you know, can you, you can get better in season. He's a young guy, so maybe he's better at this in – January than he is, you know, right now, but we're pretty far through and it's kind of feeling like this is a really, you know, tough learning experience for him uh, this year. And we'll just see how much more physical he gets um, as his career goes on. I uh, was watching today and I I was reading today, uh, you know, comments of Aaron Rodgers, and he had said, you know, Hey, you know, we're not, we're not dead yet. And then it was being compared to R-E-L-E-X and run the table and, you know, people are ripping him for not being more of an optimist. And I said, well, wait, wait a minute. He had better teams with better personnel around him than he does right now with this team, especially offensively speaking, weaponry-wise. I think Aaron is just saying, look, I'm going to go out and do every, anything and everything I can to try to do it the right way to just try to get victories. I've liked his his depth, if you will, at the podium and what he's, some of the things that he's had to say about just keeping guys, you know, on the right path and trying to do things right and build, you know, forward. I, but – there's no reason to do an R-E-L-A-X or, you know, anything profound like that to say, hey, don't worry about it. We got this. Because this team doesn't have this. This team is one one out away from ending the game, so to speak, right? I'm with you 100% on that. I was thinking about that the other, you know, in the last week or two. Uh, you know, there weren't any grand pronouncements for the exactly for the reasons that you stated. He's... I, the, the sense I get, and from talking to people who I know, I know uh, who know him, is he thinks they have a chance, which is true. But he would any false bravado, any any big sweeping statements, they just they would sound hollow. I think if he, he everybody who's watched this team knows that you know there have been real issues for a while here, but there's talent there too. I I, I agree completely that he's he, he's un, he's unsure himself, but. They're going to give it a run, and, you know, if he gets hot and these a couple of these young receivers keep playing well and 
the defense holds up without Gary. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think it takes to get in? Does does nine and eight get you in, or does it? I, I think nine wins get you there. I think nine wins will at least put you in the conversation, which keeps hope alive all the way to the end of the season. Which I think for the most of us, that's what we hope for. Yeah, because you know, a week ago I was wondering, and things continue like this, you know, they're going to be out of it. Then you you have to start playing Jordan Love, and if you do, does that pretty much end things with Rodgers? And I, you know, there was. There were a lot of scenarios, but they played a even if even lose even if they'd lost, they played a good football game the other day, and um, so they're you know they're probably going to be pretty pretty competitive, and it's you know it's going to be an interesting uh, run down the stretch here. I don't think even if they made the playoffs, I mean, are they really would they really be a threat to get to the Super Bowl? The chances of that are you know pretty I would think, but you never know. So um, that's that's why they that's why they play them right because um, our right. talk doesn't mean anything. It's what happens out there, you know. Talking with Pete Doherty, uh, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Also, they have the After Further Review podcast with he and Eric Baranchek, who break down the game fantastically uh, on uh, the podcast uh, platforms. I-, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about Rodgers. So there was a lot of consternation as to whether or not if they lost that game, do you then play Jordan Love? And at some point, I would assume Jordan Love would see some snaps. But what do you foresee? And I know it's tough, but I cannot fathom a year next season without Aaron Rodgers for the 50 million reasons that we all know that are sitting on the table. Can you? Um, I could have if he were willing, if things had really gone poorly for the rest of the year and he were willing to go to another team because he's, you know, he'd have to cooperate in some of this stuff because of that contract. Um, it was sure. I could have seen at least a possibility that they'd, they'd have moved on. But if they're pretty competitive, if they play if they're playing pretty good football the rest of the year, and they end up, let's say, even eight and nine or something like that, they'll have something to build on to give it to run the whole thing back again next year to you know try to fortify and have these receivers grow, and then they could challenge again. Um, but you know, I guess what I'm wondering is, after this season, is he going to commit? Is he going to go year by year? Is he going to tell them I'll play one more year and retire? Is he going to say, I want to play a couple of years? Because they have to make the fifth-year option decision on Love in May. And there's no way they can have both of those guys on the roster in 24. They can carry them both next year, but they can't do it in 24. So and that, they have to make the decision on that 24 contract in May, so you know, basically a year ahead of time. So I'm really curious to see how that turns out and what kind of commitment Rodgers is feeling to playing how long does he want to keep playing? Is one more year good enough, or does he want to? Is he thinking two or three? Who knows? I I find it interesting because he said he's going to retire a Packer, and he's going to be for the remainder of his career a Packer. Do you think that the Packers would come to him and say we want to trade you away? If you know, it would depend on how things were going. And uh, you know, guys say that, but it doesn't happen a lot where guys play that long and don't go somewhere else. I mean, Favre, Manning, Brady, Unitas, you name it, all, so many quarterbacks, great players like that who have long careers, they, it, they end up finishing somewhere else. The Bart Stars are the, are the rarity. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't stun me if he ended up finishing somewhere else, but so much depends on how, the, how this season finishes out. Pete, always good stuff. Uh, what's going on on the podcast right now? Anything uh, in depth wise interesting between you and Eric Baranchek, other than maybe sipping whiskey and telling people how good it is? 
<laughs> yeah, we just posted this morning. Uh, we talked, uh, you know, sometimes we take big picture looks. Sometimes it's more uh, focused. And uh, this week it was uh, on Yash Nyman. Um, the guy, you know, if, if there were concerns about whether he could play right tackle, he erased them. He had a really nice game uh, the other night against the Cowboys. Couple going against good players, couple tough plays, of course, because Demarcus Lawrence is a good player. But uh, but Nyman had a really good game, and um, they're you know that really helps in case they decide, which I think is likely that they'll move on without Bakhtiari next year. They've got at least you know one one solid starting tackle on the roster right now. Good stuff as always, and we'll uh, touch base again soon. Okay. Yeah, sounds good, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Pete. Talk to you soon. Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. And uh, after further review of the podcast with he and Eric Branchek, Eric Branchek, who you hear in this program uh, on Mondays, and we'll hear him again this Friday after the game uh, on Thursday night. So uh, both those guys do a hell of a podcast. If you haven't heard it, uh, they get, uh, like he said, they take an overview, and then they get really, really technical. But it's a really good, uh, really good listen. Either way, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If they win this game, we all know that it's, uh, you know, optimism reigning supreme. If they lose this game, then what? If they lose this game, then what? Stick around. We'll talk about that coming up. This portion of the Bill Michael Show brought to you by our friends at Quick Trip. Top-tier alternative fuels, no fee ATMs, but when you go in and you get some of that top-tier fuel, you type in your quick rewards number, which is your phone number. You type it in. You know, okay, there you go. Type it in. Get your gas. You're good to go. You need gas anyway, right? You go in. You get your burgers. You get your food. You get your pothole pizzas. You get the fresh food, even the healthy stuff. You get some of the fruit cups, whatever it happens to be, even the yogurts. Yogurts with the crunch munch in it. Oh, so good. So you go in. You get your stuff. You're good to go. And then you get to call. Hey, by the way, your name was chosen, and you are now eligible for the opening drive contest for the Green Bay Packers. So listen on Thursday night. Because for every yard garnered by the Green Bay Packers during the opening drive, we're going to give you 10 bucks per yard. So you're rooting like hell. They go in for a touchdown. You get an extra five hundo on top of it. Quick Trip giving stuff away all the time. Go in and check out our friends at Quick Trip. And if you don't have a Quick Rewards card yet, get one. Just get your phone number dialed up in there, and you're good to go. Use your Quick Rewards card and stop into the uh, the Wisconsin-based friends at Quick Trip. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Whoa, wait a minute. Let's start out this hour with some breaking news. Breaking news. Are you ready, Packers fans? Breaking news. No, they didn't sign OBJ. Breaking news. Maybe this is bigger. The Packers have released Amari Rodgers. Boom! Yes! Mike Yeah, you go. When they handed him his release papers, it took him a minute to get out of the building because he dropped them. Slap Was it, is it with a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> is it too soon? Is it too soon? Amari Rogers has been released by the Green Bay Packers. Well, smoke him if you got him. There you have it. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Damn. Uh, I know people are, like, firing off the uh, the Wizard of Oz, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead song right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Brad and also over the cap.com joining us now on the hotline. Uh, Brad, we, we had to pause for a moment for the, uh, the release of Amari Rogers because he has released more footballs to the ground than we have fish into the waters, man. So, uh, finally the, uh, the buttery fingers of Amari Rogers has found his way to another team at some point, I would assume. How you doing? I just. Uh, I'm doing great. I just saw that. And yeah, he had eight fumbles and seven catches for his Packers career, right? Yeah, it was uh, a uh, a career that was marred by I can't return a football. There, there was no upside. It was never like he was going to break one loose and give you a big 50, 60, 70-yard gain or take one to the house. But the downside was it's a 50-50 proposition as to whether or not he's even going to catch it. And most of the time when he did catch it, he bobbled it first before he even took off running. So there was never an upside to Omari Rodgers being able to hang on to a football. Just just throwing it out there. No. <laughs> no, no, that's that's right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, give me your thought. Packers get a win. And suddenly uh, what was once a dead body and the heat was escaping and we were ready to pull the cloth over the face to pronounce death, they get a resuscitation via the Dallas Cowboys, uh, something I can't really explain, but it looks to the eye like they did it the right way. Give me your thoughts on the Packers getting a win on Sunday. Now, this was a really, really impressive win. To be down two scores against the maybe one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, we charted the Cowboys with just five total quarterback pressures in the entire game. Um, so a phenomenal performance from the offensive line. David Bakhtiari had an 88 pass block rate, allowed just one pressure. And, but, yeah, I mean, coming back on this team is difficult, especially because you can beat them on the ground in the run game, which Green Bay had success with. Aaron Jones looked really good. A.J. Dillon had some decent runs here and there for six, seven yards. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just a really strong performance from that offense. Finally, another embattled, you know, young wide receiver in Christian Watson after two drops of his own early in the game. Stays in it, stays focused, has those three great touchdowns. Obviously, the one over the shoulder was a beauty, um, you know, to finally kind of exercise the demons there. I'm sure he let out the biggest sigh of relief, you know, in Green Bay history. But it was a good game. It, there was nothing fluky about it. They played good football. You know, the defense still has question marks against the run, but it was a really, really impressive come-from-behind win. The, uh, the We saw the Vikings take down the Bills. We saw the Eagles get beat last night. Both of those teams, even though the tiebreaker goes to Philadelphia at this point, give me your thoughts on the best team in the NFC right now because it once you get past those two teams, it's a jumble, man. And there's not even a lot of people that firmly believe that really Philadelphia is the real deal or Minnesota is the real deal. So give me your thoughts. I still think Philadelphia is the best team in the NFC. You know, obviously a couple tough games, kind of playing with Houston on Thursday night. Granted, you know, on a Thursday short turnaround, still win by 12 points there. And then last night, that's the issue. I mean, they are, them and Green Bay actually are both top three in EPA per rush allowed. So you can beat them on the ground. Washington just kept running the football over and over and over again. The occasional shot play, that was also kind of a, a crazy game with some penalties that decided things, not just at the end of the football game with that sack that turned into a, you know, roughing a pass or whatever it was, but a lot of kind of key calls and missed calls with Dallas Goddard, the face mask on his fumble and so on and so forth. So long answer short, I still have Philly as the top team in the NFC, and I think it does get jumbled after that. I think Dallas is still in that conversation Dak Prescott needs to clean some things up a little bit. They could really use Odell Beckham Jr. I think you saw against Green Bay that Michael Gallup, who came up limp a couple times in that game, is just still not all the way there. Granted, Odell Beckham Jr. also coming back from a torn ACL. But it's them two, I think, still I have at the top. And then it's a cluster of, you know, you mentioned Minnesota, Green Bay, trying to get back in that conversation. I think Tampa Bay 
But really for me, it's San Francisco, Seattle, and those teams I just mentioned are kind of all in this cluster below that, that top two. So uh, I want to look at the AFC real quick because obviously over in the AFC with Buffalo losing, they're not even leading their division anymore at 6-3. and three. Miami is in Tua and, and Mahomes. Both guys could be possible candidates for the MVP. We know that. So give me your thoughts on, on the AFC because once you get past those two teams uh, and Buffalo, I guess, Mike, you want to throw them into the mix because most people still believe it's, a, it's very much a Super Bowl-capable team. But after that, what else is there? I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get a Super Bowl winner or contender out of the AFC South. Uh, obviously, the AFC West is nowhere near the competitiveness that we thought it was going to be. Both Denver and Las Vegas completely suck. Cincinnati, the defending AFC champ, trying to get out of its own way and trying to climb a couple of games above 500 coming this weekend, still have Baltimore to battle with. So give me your thoughts on the AFC. Yeah, I think Baltimore is the next team. I still think it's Kansas City, Buffalo, and then I would put Baltimore – then you get into Miami. Tua Tagovailoa is our highest-grade quarterback in 91 grade, the highest, um, you know, and a truly elite grade and playing really, really good football. They punted the ball three times or two times over the last three games. Zero punts uh, against the Cleveland Browns this past weekend. Mike McDaniel, I think, should be the Coach of the Year candidate's favorite. Tyreek Hill, probably Offensive Player of the Year candidate as well. Um, yeah, no, it's a talented, you know, on this side of the of the, the, of the NFL. The conference is good. It's not. It's a jumble because there's a lot of good teams, unlike the NFC, where maybe we're trying to pick which of the bad teams is actually talented. But the other day with Buffalo, they're up two scores in this game against Minnesota. They should have been able to close it out. This is, again, they haven't scored a second-half touchdown since week six against Kansas City. They're having issues in the second half and closing out some games. But they are a talented team. I'll mention them again. I think they need Odell Beckham Jr. more than anyone. I think Stephon Diggs, you see just Josh Allen, staring down Stephon Diggs on both of those end zone interceptions to Patrick Peterson. I think Gabriel Davis is a good, not great player. Maybe even honestly an above average player. I, I don't really get the, the hype there. I think they need another piece there. But nevertheless, yeah, I think there's six, seven quality teams in the AFC. Tom with Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Brad, also with OverTheCap.com. We talked a little bit about uh, the Packers, and I want to I want to talk some cap. We talked a little bit about the Packers next season, as maybe what could happen to this team, because we already know they're starting out the season above the cap, and we know that there's going to be more money added to that. They do have David Bakhtiari, where they gain $6 million if they cut him loose, and most likely you would assume they would. Aaron Rodgers is a lot of money against the cap. Should he stick around and should they hang on to him and such and not trade him in the offseason or something crazy? But I, the, the big question is, with Aaron Rodgers in the last couple of years of this contract and how this thing's all going to work out, if you're a general manager, you're sitting there with Brian Gutekunst right now, you're going to say, I've got the last two years of Aaron Rodgers and we've only won one Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm going to do what? Do you trade him away? Do you begin the rebuild? Do you look at Jordan Love? Or do you trade Jordan Love? Do you get rid of Bakhtiari? Because there's a lot of money that you got to shuffle around to make this thing work. But we all know you're going to need at least one more wide receiver before it's all said and done. Yeah, you know, I think you are open to trade possibilities, obviously depending how the season closes out. But they have a couple tough games in their schedule. They also have some certainly some winnable ones as well. But let's say they do miss the playoffs. You're answering the phone, right? You're not turning down trade calls. You're not ignoring it because you have this great flexibility where his option, his $58 million option for next season, they have from the day the season ends until the day before week one to exercise it. And during that entire time, they can kind of field some phone calls, talk with Aaron himself, figure out if he maybe wants to go somewhere else or, or whatever. I agree with you. I think David Bakhtiari is probably the most interesting decision. 
can clear about $15 million there. I think it all starts there. And then a really tough situation with Rashawn Gary where we saw with Jair Alexander last year, you can lower that fifth-year option amount with an extension. Now that Gary is going to be you know, in the midst of recovering from a torn ACL, even though I think he's come on as one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, he was second for us in pressure percentage in the entire league at edge defender, it still might, you might be wary of extending a guy in the middle of a torn ACL. So that complicates matters even further. Um, yeah, there is still a huge offseason with a lot of big decisions ahead. But they do have a lot of players under contract. They have a full slate of picks. Um, you know, so, so it, they have some flexibility if they want to stick with Rodgers. One more interesting thing, too, is Jordan Love's fifth-year option is due after this season. I'm not sure you've seen enough to exercise it, uh, you know, especially now that it's fully guaranteed at exercise. You can't get out of it later. That's going to be a fascinating decision for them as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, you, you don't know what you have anymore. I mean, you know behind closed doors, I guess, uh, because they've seen him for a while now. But in, in game situations, you really haven't seen much. And what you have seen was not inspiring whatsoever. So you don't know what you have there. Uh, go to the MVP chase right now in, in the NFL. And I had mentioned, too, I mentioned Patrick Mahomes. There's a couple of the guys that are non-quarterbacks. Saquon Barkley, Justin Jefferson. There's a few guys out there that could also be into this mix before it's all said and done, right? I think those guys for sure. I mean, Tyreek Hill is definitely also in that conversation. But Jefferson in particular, I mean, it's just remarkable. He had five explosive receptions in this game, so five catches of 15-plus yards. He had seven contested catches in the game, which is the most in a single game since we started tracking contested catches in 2016. I mean, the fourth and 18 catch, the one-handed snag, pulling it out of a defender who had both hands on the ball, I think is one of the greatest catches in the history of the NFL. I think it literally is on that level he might be the most valuable non-quarterback in the entire NFL, especially when you factor in his rookie contract. Um, yeah, I, there's no reason this guy shouldn't be in the MVP conversation. If the Vikings get the one seed in the NFC, you can say, you know, for a fact, the main reason is Justin Jefferson. Uh, go back to some of the free agents that could possibly be on the open market that the Packers might have an interest in. I think we would start, obviously, with wide receiver at this point. Uh, not because you believe that the crop that you have is terrible. It's just that it's going to take a little while to get these guys. And if you're going to have Aaron Rodgers still under center, you're going to let go of your left tackle, but you're going to try to kind of replace him. You've got a guy on the roster already. You believe that Zach Tom can take another step. So you think you're okay there. You might have to end up paying Elton Jenkins, which you would assume you're going to. So what's the next step? Do you get a wide receiver? Do you bring a guy like that in? Or is there some other glaring weakness that you would provide this team with in free agency? You know, it's interesting. If Watson can keep playing like this, you might have a really young and quality duo with him and Romeo Dobbs. Uh, and then Alan Lazard, you potentially bring back on a, on a fairly you know modest deal. Good player, has been the number one wide receiver there. You know, de facto, uh, I'm sure Randall Cobb would, would run it back with Aaron Rodgers if he does stick around. So honestly, as crazy as this may sound, maybe it's not your top priority. I think you are still, you know, kicking the tires on a couple guys, but it's not a good class by any means. I mean, Jacoby Myers, I think, is the best player on the market, former undrafted creation of the, of the New England Patriots. Um, you're not going to shop that high at the top of the market. Green Bay never does, but that just kind of shows the entire market is not super strong if he is the number one player, a solid player, but, you know, no question. I, I think for them, you probably – you know, like you said, if you do move on from David Bakhtiari, yes, you have Zach Tom in the fold. You have Elton Jenkins that obviously can play anywhere. Probably don't want him at left tackle, but can play anywhere. Yash Nyman has played some really good football at both tackle spots. You know, I, I still think, though, you, again, they would uh, probably agree 
you address the trenches up in front of Aaron Rodgers, make sure you're set there, have some depth there. Um, and then D-line as well. You know, at edge rusher, especially if you're not going to have Rashawn Gary to start the season, I think bringing in that third edge rusher could be key. Uh, going forward for them to be able to generate pressure, and then when Gary does finally come back, you can rotate guys a little bit. I think it's one of the more underrated edges right now in the NFL is teams that can rotate guys and keep their legs fresh on defense up front. And that way, late in games, they're generating a bunch of pressure still because they've only played 35 snaps and the offensive line has played 65 snaps. Uh, before I let you go, I want to also ask you when uh, we we start looking at uh, the the draft this upcoming season. Packers obviously they've going to have they're going to have some draft capital, but give me your thoughts on the draft and the strength coming out of this year. This quality group of draft candidates, uh, as far as what's because last year there was a lot of linemen, there was a lot of defensive players that were coming out. You had a decent crop of wide receivers, but which they thought it was the deepest almost ever. But what is it going to be like this uh, this upcoming draft season? you know yeah so not as strong at wide receiver there's a couple names that may go in the first round quentin johnson out of tcu is a big study about six foot four can go over the top would honestly be a good fit potentially if green bay wants to use a first round pick on a wide receiver but you know I'm not, i know i'm not telling you anything new that that is not their mo necessarily um it, it's good on the defensive line again so i guess i'll go right back to that. there's a lot of good edge rushers and interior guys Yes, you have Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt starting to play a little bit more as the weeks go on, but I think you could add another body there, another three-tech potentially. Um, you know, Jalen Carter out of Georgia might be a top three pick at this point, so he'll probably be gone. But Brian Breesey and Clemson, there's a handful of, of options there. And then edge rusher as well. Miles Bryant also at Clemson. Uh, th- there are a lot of good players along the defensive line, and I don't think it's a bad option for Green Bay going forward. Great stuff as always, Brad. We appreciate it. I just retweeted your uh, latest article and look at some of the free agent acquisitions that could be out there and some of the guys you want to start taking care of this offseason as well. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Talk to you soon. There you go, our buddy Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Brad at PFF underscore Brad and at OverTheCap.com. You can read his stuff there, this portion of the program. Brought to you by our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery. Go to ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. Good people. If you're in Peshtigo and you're up in that area and you go in, you talk to Jake or you talk to Chris or Melissa, you go in, you ask for it, you say, hey, heard it about on the Bill Michael Show. They go, okay, psst, psst, come here, come here. And they give you that tasting. Let's take a taste of all this stuff. See what you like, what you don't like. And then you can pick out some bottles if you want to do that, okay? However, if maybe you don't get the pest to go, stop into your local wine store, liquor store, department store, or grocery store, I should say, and ask for it by name. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. They're good people, and all they say is, look, it's fun in a bottle. We don't care how you like it, how you want to enjoy it. Just enjoy it. That's what it's there for. Yes, they've won awards. They can stack up against some of the best of the best. All the nouveau riche names where you drink with your pinky out. But they just want you to have fun. That's what it's all about. It's made by Wisconsinites for Wisconsinites and for anybody else that wants to enjoy wine all throughout the great, uh, great listening area. So check out our friends at ForgottenFireWinery.com, especially it makes a great gift this holiday season. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.